On this week's episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast, we talk about our trips to see Aziz Ansari and the Graham Norton Show. And in the second half, we talk about Jojo B's very difficult pregnancy. The Native Immigrants are in the building. Hit the music. Salutations and welcome to another edition of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm your host, Swami Barakas, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jojo underscore B. What's going on, Jojo B? Hello. So we're back in London, Jojo B. We are indeed. And you've brought the weather with you. No, it was lovely and sunny in Newcastle. Yeah, but look at it now. Yeah, it's really miserable. Hi, Autumn. It's actually been really good for the last few days. And today, it seems like we finally hit that time of the year that you love. Yes. Staying Rain in. and shit. Yeah, staying in, cosy, watching lovely films, yeah, eating you lovely stay food. In. You stay in, but you're like, oh, we forgot to get that margarine that I really wanted. Or, oh, these are Maris Piper potatoes and I wanted King Edward. Can you just go out and go get the right ones for me, please? Because <laughs> otherwise I'm just going to sit here and starve and not eat any food. And just like you and your baby are just going to suffer. Yes. That's exactly how I am. Sake. And then I send you to the shops in the rain. Yeah, and obviously, you know, the shops are just around the corner, so I can't even take my car. So I literally have to walk through the rain and mud and sleet and snow. Oh, the violins of, of are today, playing. You know, just to get you the right potatoes oh, that taste whatever. the same as normal potatoes from any other potato anyway. Stop complaining. Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> you just need to, like, chill out. You have to look after me because that's your job. It is. Because now, obviously, people know the reasons <laughs> behind all this, you know. You have to do all of the things that I say now. So I'm, I'm a slave to you. Yes. A slave to the jyoti. Yes. That's how it works. This should be like a, a separate movement for me. You know, people that kind of really get behind how much I'm being persecuted. Oh, that probably is on I'm Twitter somewhere. Yeah. We should open up a hashtag, you know, save SB. I'm not even being paid, so I'm literally a slave to your demands. Am I being paid for this? For growing a child? No. So shut up. Well, you know, that, <laughs> you, should be, uh, you should be blessed and thankful that you've been given this amazing opportunity to bring a barracuda into the world. Uh, you know, not many women get a chance to say that, that I know of. So this should be something that should be an extremely honourable opportunity. Firstly, there better not be any more, because I will kill you. Yeah, I'll have to look at my child support payments. Yeah. See what I want. Think people coming out of the woodwork. No, thank you very much. Well. And secondly, shut up and get on with it. What are we talking about this week? Okay, so <laughs> this week's show, uh, we're going to be talking about our trip to see Aziz Ansari at an amazing secret London gig that we, I don't know how, but we managed to get tickets for. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I do know it was me. Who managed to get the tickets? All right, we're going to discuss that. <laughs> uh, and we're also going to be talking about going to Graham Norton's show, which I managed to get tickets for. Yeah, but I managed to get us really good seats. And we'll also be discussing that part <laughs> as well. Um, and in the second half of the show, we are going to be talking about the pregnancy. Jojo yeah. B's pregnancy and how difficult it has been. 
Yeah, and just how it's affected us and all that kind of stuff. Don't worry, we won't just whinge all the way through. No. I'm here to educate. Yes, indeed. Jojo B gets her teacher's hat on. But let's let's just kick things off with what happened last week, Jojo V. So last week, I finally, after six months, got to go back to my homeland of Newcastle. Homeland. My homeland. Newcastle stun. Yes. And uh, we had a lovely few days with my mummy and daddy spoiling us. Yeah. A lot of relaxation, recuperation for me after my redundancy. Yeah. So it was good to get my mind away for a few days. Yeah. And I, I was able to get that in lovely Newcastle. Yeah, my mummy spoiled you very much. I legitimately ate paneer and samosa, I think, every day. Every single day. Yeah. <laughs> and they were Punjabi samosa and not Gujarati samosas, which is what we spoke about. On where, Jojo V? On our very first on-location broadcast, which was also done live. Yes. On radio. Yep. On Spice FM. Yes, indeed. We've been teasing it for a number of months and we finally managed to make it happen uh, last week, which was also our podcast last yes, week. Yes, it was. So you can hear the full radio show in all of its glory in our archives from last week's show. Yes, you can. And you hear us basically being completely unprepared <laughs> and disorganized and basically winging two hours of a show. We we literally did have to wing it. We had no notes, nothing. No. Because we had a really busy day, which if you listen to the podcast, you'll be able to hear what we were up to that day. Indeed. Um, and also because I had to produce the show with a bunch of equipment I didn't know how to use. Yeah. Uh, we had literally like a 20, 30 second uh, tutorial. Yes. Uh, this button does this and this button does that. Yeah. Um, so the first half of the show was me trying to figure it out. Yeah. And then the second half we got saved by the lovely Amit. Yeah. Amazing Amit who came and basically produced the show for us. But there was a few technical difficulties and I might have sounded like I was stuck in a wind tunnel <laughs> for most of the show. And I, that, I have to thank Salish for that. He put on two microphones for me, which was completely unnecessary. Yeah, he's another member of the Spice FM team. And yeah. he was the presenter of the show before ours. Yeah, lovely guy. Yeah, he was the one who gave us our tutorial. And yes, there was two mics on you for some reason. And so you sounded like you were in a tunnel. You know what? I think it was sabotage. Yeah. If I'm honest, because obviously like our show was awesome. You know, his show was quite good as well. He played a lot of like Hindi music and Bollywood music. Yeah. But I also think because I told him I was a Londoner, and I know how you Geordies are all like pro-North and fuck the South, kind yes. of. So I think there was an element of that as well at the same time. And also you went on air and basically said you didn't like Newcastle on air in Newcastle. You know what it is? I like to be very, radio very honest mm -hmm. and I like to give my opinion on things thinking laterally before actually discussing it. He just sounded like a Londoner who had stepped outside of London. So, anyway. That's racist. But you can listen to the full show in detail uh, on last week's podcast, episode 26. Yep. Listen back to the show. Let us know what you think. Thank you so much to Spice FM once again for the opportunity. They want us to do more shows. Well, if we go back up to Newcastle more often, love. Well, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. What I'm saying to Sandeep and the team is we've got specific demands. It'd have to be helicopter trip there and back. Yes. Together with a full rider, yes, with as much alcohol and and food for me. Purple skittles and uh, red M and M's only for me. High demand. So if you're listening, Sandy, 
get in touch. Yes. Right. So let's kick off this week's show. We managed to get tickets to see Aziz Ansari live in London at one of only three working in progress gigs. I have no idea how we managed it. But yeah. It, but apparently 10,000 people tried to get tickets. And we were one of the lucky few that actually managed to get one. Yeah, because he actually uh, broadcast that on Instagram a few weeks ago that he's going to be doing some secret London gigs as like a testing the waters, basically, and some new material. Yeah. And so as soon as we found out, we were like, right, we have to fucking get tickets for this. Because not only are we fans of Master of None, his show on Netflix, uh, but we're also big fans of Parks and Recreation. Yeah. And he plays Tom Haverford on there, one of the best characters. And so it was a no-brainer if we could somehow manage to get tickets for this gig. Yeah. And the day came and we were there at 10 o'clock in the morning when the tickets were going to be released and the site crashed. The site went down literally straight away. Yeah. Like there was no one and we checked Twitter and we saw one person got tickets and everybody else was like, we can't get tickets. What the hell's going on? Yeah. I, I remember I put the tickets in my basket. Yeah. And then straight away the site crashed. Yeah. And then we both kept refreshing the page every like couple of minutes, trying to find out what was going on. And then the the theatre itself, Pleasance Theatre in yeah. North London, uh, their Twitter account actually tweeted out saying, "I'm sorry, all tickets are now sold out for this. Apologies." I know, but but the power of Twitter. Yes. Someone said, "Keep trying, keep refreshing," and then they managed to get through and put on Twitter, "Go go go, do it now, do it now." So we refreshed. And we managed to get tickets. We did manage to get tickets. Uh, one, uh, Two of 200 people uh, that day. And he had two nights. And the Friday night and the Saturday night. Yeah. We got tickets for the Saturday. Yeah. And I wasn't sure what to expect. We've seen Aziz Ansari before and some of his, the stand-up specials that he's done. For Netflix, yeah. For Netflix. And he's covered a range of different topics. Also still keeping it relevant to the fact that he's a South Asian guy in America mm-hmm. and a high profile one at that. So with that comes a lot of scrutiny as well as the the difficulties that that can raise as well. Yeah. So he talk, he often talks about kind of being an Indian in America and just how people don't really understand what that means. Yeah, exactly. And just all of the stupid ignorant things that people will say. Yeah. So, yeah. And he kind of touched on that again in this. So mm. it's still like a continuing theme. But the theme of the whole of the whole show was extreme wokeness. Yes, indeed. And that was really, that was a very interesting thing. And he did a few bits. We don't want to give too much away because then when he does his full tour later on, he mm. might be using some of this material. Absolutely. Um, so we don't want to give anything away. But it was really interesting, the stuff that he touched on, you know, and kind of just how people can like, how polarizing things are now and how, you know, we have two extreme ends of craziness um as well as like a bunch of normal people who don't know what the hell to do because <laughs> they're like well, i'm not crazy i don't know what to do with this situation yeah but just how you're just expected to have an opinion and expected to feel outraged all the time about something yeah. every day there's something on twitter that is disgusting and you have to retweet and you have to talk about and it yeah it was uh very very interesting yeah he touched on that specifically the obsession with uh, social media and fake news. Yeah. But you also touched on things like interracial relationships, yes, which he's currently in. Yeah. Uh, cultural appropriation, obviously, as yep. standard with a few different things, such as like the, uh, there's a prom dress scandal that happened in America. Yeah. And uh, the whole boycott Starbucks thing that happened as well, yep. you know, in the States. And obviously touched on equality, you know, which is something that's been quite 
common in most of his shows. Yeah. But it, I guess, has taken it into a whole new age because this is the first real specials he's done for about three, four years. Yeah. And so I guess a lot of people were expecting him to, you know, maybe sit on the fence, which is what he's done for a few of his shows previously. Yeah. But this time he was, you know, all guns blazing. There was no holes barred. And he really went in on so many different aspects. See, he, he went in on a lot of things. But the one thing he did avoid was his own recent controversy. Yeah. So most of the show wasn't so much on touching on the things that he did mention. It was more about what he didn't mention. Yeah. You can tell that it's informed his material. This whole kind of being woke and, and having an opinion on everything and being outraged about everything. That is obviously... The reason he's done that is stemmed from what he's been through himself. But we discussed this after the show, actually, and there was no way for him to be able to talk about that without sounding like a dick. Yeah. There was nothing that he could have said without him sounding bitter or not bothered. There was no way around it. So I guess avoiding it altogether was probably the only way that he was going to be able to to get on with things. Yeah. Before you go on further, let's actually mention what this specific controversy is. Uh, There was an article on Babe.net where uh, a young lady seemed to uh, have a a bit of an awkward encounter with him. And uh, because of that, there was a massive, obviously, we're talking about the whole Me Too movement right now. He got a lot of backlash for it and from, from a mass quarter, obviously, thinking that this was completely wrong. Yeah. But he also had a lot of people that almost not so much sided with him, but they couldn't see how it was sexual harassment in any way. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of, there's two sides of the coin with this particular story that I've seen compared to other stories with celebrities that are happening around the same time which were obviously a lot more blatant yeah because this is this came out right in the middle of the harvey weinstein stuff which yeah. is like obviously very very bad um and so then it just seemed like on the scale of things actually was this as bad as that no probably not he didn't do any of the stuff that harvey weinstein did but he was wrong but yeah he didn't act very uh, gentlemanly yes there's a thin line between persuasion and coercion yes. and things like that he's fucked up basically he probably didn't cover himself in any glory no during that during that evening but it's one of those things that's very subjective and it's open to a lot of interpretation as well at the same yeah. time and there's people that sit on both sides of the fence but I'm slightly disappointed that he didn't touch on it because it's not it's not something you can make a joke about. But it, it was an opportunity for him to at least to clear his name more than anything else. But that's the thing. Like, can he clear his name or will he just sound like he's being really defensive mm. and sound like a dick? And I think he would have sounded defensive and like a dick, unfortunately, because women do go through shitty situations and they are sometimes unable to get themselves out of it or say no or whatever like because you just kind of freeze up yeah and a lot of that article it seemed like that's what the situation that woman was in he you know did apologize to her when he when she said to him that this is how she'd felt the next day yeah it sounded like like a genuine apology Mm. but that doesn't take away from the fact that he did it yeah so i've been really on the fence about this whole thing like i've had mixed feelings about the whole the whole article and the whole controversy that happened at the time but 
so that's why we went to see Aziz Ansari. Yeah, absolutely. If you've done a Harvey Weinstein, there's no fucking way. Absolutely not. You know, and like... And, and I think it's difficult because, you know, we're a couple of South Asians ourselves. Yeah. And so when, what we're not trying to do is say, oh, but because it was a South Asian celebrity, he can't have done it because our people would never do anything as vilifying as that. Let's not beat around the bush. You know, India is like the rape capital of the world. It's one of the most horrific places in the world for women you know yeah. and it's it's suppressed women for so so long so i would definitely not side with any person that's of the same color and say that he's not capable of committing such acts because that's definitely not the case yeah but if you do read the article and you do summarize the situation there is a massive gray area and it's difficult to pinpoint the only two people that are going to know are those two people themselves we can judge to a certain extent but we have to lay the book open as well at the same time. And so for this gig, it could have been a potential opportunity to, for him to at least touch on the matter itself. But that doesn't take away from how brilliant a show it actually was. It's it's some of the most dynamic material that he's put out for a very, very long yeah. time, I feel. Yeah. And it covered a whole range of subjects at a real crucial time right now for yeah. ethnicity, especially in the States. And these intimate venues are a bit of a a dress rehearsal for him to take it out properly. I also think it's a little bit of like, he's had to do this, a really small, you know, oh, I'm just testing material kind of shows mm. to see if actually, if there's appetite for his material yeah. and to see how how much his character has been damaged. Yeah. And there was a whole load of support for him in that room. But when you look on Twitter, when people, or on his Instagram, when he announced that he was doing these shows, there was a whole load of people that were just like, I can't believe you're still working. You're a twat. We want nothing to do with you. I hope your show goes down in flames. Yeah. You know, like that's what we mean by it. it's kind of difficult. You put you put in a weird situation where do you go and support hmm. because you're because we're fans. We're yeah. fans of his work, or do we support the movement? And are we not supporting the movement by going? Yeah, exactly. And that's the conflict that I think a lot of people will have. Because yeah. like he mentions in his show, there's a whole bunch of normal people out there who aren't polarised at all yeah. and actually just don't know what the right thing is anymore. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I think we fall into that category. But the one thing that was heartening for me, that was uh, there was a lot of women in the audience yesterday. Yes, there were. Yeah. Um, and they're very supportive. Because obviously he talks about things like interracial relationship and there are some things that could potentially have sounded quite sexist. But people realise he's saying these things in a humorous you know non-degrading way he also um he went in on the white people and yeah, it was a majority did. white audience it was there's only a handful of us asians there yeah um, or, or other ethnic minorities but it was mostly white and yeah. he had no problem with going in on white people and they were laughing along no exactly it was a real funny night yeah. of some great comedy if you get the chance to go to his bigger gigs, then go, I would say, as long as you're not completely put off by everything that's happened in the past. Yeah. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy the material. Yeah, um, he's been touring in America next week, and that'll be more of a truer reflection of what kind of reaction he gets. Time. He's already done a few American gigs, and I think they've all sold out very quickly as well. So people people do want to see him. People do still like Aziz Ansari. Okay, well, at what extent? I guess that remains to be seen. Yeah. Um. So also this week... We managed to get tickets for a very different night. More entertainment. More entertainment, indeed. The Graham Norton Show. Woohoo! The Barracuda managed to get some tickets. Yes, he did. And when you get tickets for these kind of nights, you don't actually get told who these guests are going to be. You just get sent an email saying, well done, you've yeah. got tickets. 
It's legitimately potluck. Yeah. But I thought it'd just be a great experience. I haven't been to a Graham Norton night before. We watch it pretty much every other week, every week sometimes. Yeah. And it's always jokes. It's really humorous. And so we were like, you know, we might end up seeing some awesome stars. Which and is did it. we? Well, this is exactly what happened. Yes, it is. First of all, Joja B's pregnant. Yes. And so I had to let the people at the front know that, you know, my wife's pregnant, so she might need to sit down for a little bit here. You can't and there. really miss it now, to be fair. Yeah. The bump is the size of her ego. So I've got one of those baby on board badges and the security guy was laughing at me going, it's the badge that gave it away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm huge. I look like a massive elephant now. Yeah. We saw the bump before your face turned up. <laughs> um, so, so they managed to get us a lovely seat for Jojo B. And then once the doors had opened up, and they were announcing people to come through. Us and um, some older people? Elderly people. So we were all sitting outside by the door waiting because I, I couldn't stand in a queue for that long. Um, so I had a lovely seat. And yeah, it was us and a bunch of quite old people. Yeah. Um, we all got ushered in early doors. Well, we almost didn't because of Jojo B. So they announced uh, those people sitting down, please come through first because you'll have difficulty with stairs, etc. Um, and Jojo B was like, um, I don't think that's us, though. I was like, look, everyone's going in. Just walk in behind them and it'll be absolutely fine. No, but we didn't We didn't organize that before. We should have said to them before that's what we wanted. I was like, shut the fuck up, Jojo B. Be quiet. <laughs> we had a different color wristband to everybody. So I was a bit worried that they were going to check our wristbands and go, no, fuck off. They would have just said, no, can you go back to where you were seated and we'll put you in somewhere else instead. Oh, but she was like, no. You know, so I was just like, just shut the fuck up. Stay with me. Let's just walk in. He did do that through gritted teeth. Yeah, but we did manage to get front row seats. We did. The guy kind of went, come on, you can't manage the stairs. Come on, sit down. And so he sat down right at the bloody front. Yes, indeed. Um, so it was a great view until the cameras turned up. Yeah, so we had a really good view and then talking to the random lady next to us who was lovely. And she was like, oh, I don't think there'll be a camera here because... They don't usually film from that angle, do they? And we were like, oh, yeah, no, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. Uh, and then, yeah, pretty much instantly there was a camera there and they did film from that angle. Yeah, so a, a little bit of our view did get blocked of the guests. I saw Graham Norton absolutely fine. I saw Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg, absolutely the legend. Absolutely fine. You know what? She is an, a bona fide legend. You know, one of the few people that's won an Oscar, an Emmy, a Tony, a Golden Globe. I mean, it's Whoopi Goldberg fuck's sake she's a ledge yeah um so she was on the sofa that day yeah as was uh, rosamund pike yeah and jamie dornan yes and harry connick jr the lovely harry connick jr who hasn't aged really no he hasn't he looks a million dollars yeah 25 years i've been watching that dude uh, but he legitimately hasn't aged yeah guess what what guess who's on harry connick jr's phone what yeah so he took a selfie because he's apparently renowned for taking selfies with like people like just happen to be in the background. So he takes these awkward kind of well, stalker he calls selfies. them stalkies, doesn't stalkies, he? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so he decided to take a stalky mm. while he was on the show. Yep. And um, when the, when we were watching it back the other day, I could see my face. Yes. I could see my face, and I was so excited because. I'm on his phone. I'm on Harry Connick Jr.'s phone. I'm in his gallery in his photos. Yeah, they... Me. How's that for a claim to fame, eh? Yeah. So, yeah. So, while Jojo B slides into Harry Connick Jr.'s DMs, <laughs> um, 
I also got slightly fangled by the last guests on the show. Who were they? Well, okay, up until about four or five months ago, mm-hmm. I had no idea that these people even existed. Yes, same here. And I think that goes for most people over a certain age. Yeah, over a certain age, yep. You know, but they are, I guess, officially yeah, the like... biggest boy band in the world. Yes, they are smashing it. Yeah, because I found out a few months ago that these like these guys got to number one on the Billboard charts in the States. It's crazy. And so, you know, when that happens, all of a sudden, you know, your alert system goes into overdrive and yeah. you suddenly become woke. <laughs> yeah. BTS. BTS. The Korean pop phenomenons. Yeah. The reason it's so crazy that they made it to the top of the Billboard chart is that most of their album, because I listened to it the other day. Oh, did you? Yeah. Big up yourself. Um, is in Korean. Because they're Korean themselves? Yeah, I know, which is not unusual that they would sing in Korean. But the fact that, like, it's gone mass market and nobody, most people won't have a clue what they're saying. Yeah. Is insane. It is insane. And it legitimately was insane that day because there were dozens, if not hundreds, of young teenage girls trying to find ways to basically get into that television studio. Oh my god, the desperation was crazy. Yeah, you know, there was girls like with passports with like... What the fuck is that noise? What the fuck is that? Someone's drilling some shit. Or sawing something up. Oh my god. Or maybe it's uh, BTS fangirls trying to get holes into this conversation because they want to find out more information about how it was that day. (laughs) Because we were sat in the best possible seats of anyone in that whole studio. We had the perfect view, like the best view, free view. Yeah. In the world Yeah. of BTS. Yeah. And we didn't even pay for the tickets. Yeah, it was free. The girls would have gone mental for the seats. Yeah. They were literally in front of us performing their track Idol. About like two, three meters away from us. Indeed. And it was, do you know what? I was very, very impressed. And I'm not, you know what I'm like, I'm a hip-hop head, and I pour scorn on any of this kind of cheesy pop music. Yeah. But you know what? BTS impressed me. They had a great energetic stage show. Yeah. Some of them could sing, but it was more like, I guess Idol's more like a kind of like a rap track mixed with elements of singing. Yeah. But it's catchy as fuck. Yeah, and they had like amazing production. All these like dancers came on and then there was like confetti that came out. And it was just awesome. Yeah, it's it's seriously, it was a, it was a really good track and a really good performance. And do you know what I realised? What's that? That this was our baby's first exposure to live music. Oh my God, yes. BTS. Well, BTS will probably still be around by the time our child is of age yeah because um, they're very young men they are very young men they all looked really young and they were you know what it's really sweet they were really nervous yeah you could see their faces just before they started singing yeah and one of them looked like he was about to cry like he looked <laughs> yeah. really nervous he was really nervous and the other ones his, his foot was twitching a little bit yeah. and it was like it was like it was like oh you know it's only graham norton you've done like they just performed at the o2 i think the night before i know so you know there's no need to worry lads you'll be fine but you know what like there's like mass audience which you they just kind of turn into faceless whatever yeah and then there's like a few hundred people in a room who were just standing like sitting there waiting and half of them don't know who the fuck you are yeah exactly and i think um that that might have made them a little bit nervous yeah but their nerves quickly went away within a few seconds once the track started two of them are really cocky 
Yeah. <laughs> I'd say confident. Confident. Because you if you say they were cocky, all of a sudden, anyone listens to this podcast, there it is again. I swear I can feel a vibration in my feet. Someone's trying to drill into our floor. Yeah. Or through somebody's head. Do you know who these people are? The parents of the little shit downstairs. Oh my God. That's who these people are. Do you know what? I, I kind of fear for Miku all of a sudden. He's been screaming every night. So it's weird. You either get screaming or drilling. Yeah. That sounds like a horror film. <laughs> it's like Saw Part 7. I wouldn't be surprised with these people. Oh, God. Anyway. But yeah, apologies. If you hear the drilling in the background, just it's just... The fuckers downstairs. Fuckers downstairs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, BTS, very, very impressive. And as soon as we came out of the uh, studio, once the night had ended, and a very successful and lovely evening... A whole bunch of girls come running up to us and we're like, oh my God, did you guys see BTS? How were they? What, what were they singing? Uh, was one of them sat down with a, with a bad, bad foot? Uh, was this one there? Uh, who, who was talking? What questions were they asked? Like, we became superstars for that 10, 15 minutes because we were like, yep, we saw them. And not only that, we were also a foot away from them because they came by. They did some trails with Whoopi Goldberg. And so you actually see me right next to BTS in one of the images on my social media I put up recently. And I legitimately became like a superstar in that moment. They loved you. Yeah, because I also told them that one of them was actually checking me out a couple of times, which he did. I don't know what the the guy's name was, but he was, yeah, he seemed to be fairly impressed with the Barracuda. Uh, I didn't have the heart to tell him that I was a married man and I've got a baby on the way. I just, you know, you know just let him carry on. You, you might know, have guessed with me thinking. sitting next to you with this huge bump. But yeah, big up BTS. They are superstars. Yep, and they've got two new fans. Two new fans indeed. And you half. and our baby. <laughs> right. And so lastly, in this half of the show, yeah, we're going to add a new feature. Yes, we are. Because, you know, we talk about all these events that we go to and all these nights and books that we read and music that we listen to and TV shows that we watch. Mm-hmm. We don't actually do like a little section to recommend all these things. Yeah. So we have imaginatively titled a new section of this show <laughs> called The Native Immigrants Recommend. Yes. Dot, dot, dot. We, we sat there for almost three hours this morning trying to think of what would be an amazing title for this section of the show. Three hours, three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> the Native Immigrants Recommend. Yep. And it could cover anything. So yep. It could be music, it could be books, it could be films, whatever. Yeah. We've left it open. We have, yeah. Because, you know, there'll be a week where we'll both hate every music that comes out that yeah. week. Yeah, and it might not be a weekly thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we literally were trying to make this up. We don't set any expectation and don't have any pressure on us. Yeah, because, you know, there'll be those people that'll be like, <laughs> um, we listened to the show and there wasn't that Native Immigrants Recommend section that you talk about and you talk about books and whatever that kind of bollocks. Yeah. Um, that's not how our listeners talk, by the way. No, I don't think it is. But, yeah. you know, some might. Some might. We're not here to discriminate against anyone. Yeah. So we're just going to throw this in every now and then. Yeah, because, you know, we want to make sure that it's actually worth recommending. We don't want to just have to be, like, struggling to find something every Yeah, week. and if we do recommend something, it's something that's sat in our conscience, you know, over and over and again. So if you manage to make it into this section of the show, you are one lucky SOB. Yeah, we've ruminated on this. Yeah. We love that word, ruminate. Big off, And, uh, you know, and we've decided that you're worthy. Yes, indeed. So for our very first one yeah. of the Native Immigrants Recommend, uh-huh. what are we recommending, Jojo B? So we are recommending The Foreign Beggars and their new album, 
Tutu Karma Deluxe. The deluxe version. Yeah. So earlier this year, they released Tutu Karma, the yes. album. And I think we mentioned already that we loved it. And we did um, choose one of the tracks from that album to play on Tom Robinson's show when we were on there. We on did Six indeed. Music, Six Million Stories. Yeah, featuring Kate Tempest. Yeah. And we've been listening to that album since it came out. It hasn't got old. We love it still. And we also bumped into Orifice Volgatron, Pav from the Foreign Beggars, yeah. at a recent event. Yes. And we discussed that album with him as well. Yes, we did. And how much we loved it. Yeah. And he's a legend. Yes, indeed. This Friday, just gone, so Friday the 12th of October, they released the deluxe version of awesome. Tutu Karma. Awesome. And that features some extra tracks. Including, some remixes yeah, as well. Yeah, remixes and stuff. Um, it's got one bonus track that features the awesome Rag and Bone Man. Holy shit. Not Rag and Bone Man singing. Rag and Bone Man rapping. Brain overload. I know. It also features the awesome Bangsy. Big up Bangsy. And this track's called Standard. Yes. And on Friday afternoon, <laughs> I literally had this this song on repeat. Like you were like, what the hell? Because I was in the next room doing some work from home. Yes. I had Spotify playing and it was just on repeat. I just kept playing it and playing it and playing it and playing it. And you came in the room and like, what the hell are you listening to? And I was like, you have to hear the song. And I played it to you and you loved it as well. It's awesome. You know, because uh, Orifice Volgatron did mention that this deluxe version of the album will be coming out. And one of the tracks on there will be this awesome track with Rag and Bone Man. Yep. So we were tentatively waiting with bated breath. Mm-hmm. And when it dropped, it fulfilled all expectations. And he did mention the fact that Rag and Bone Man will be spitting on this track, which is what... He did back in the day when he was first coming up in the scene. Yeah. You know, he was a spitter before he became a singer. I was like, how could you leave that voice, you know, locked up before it got a chance to reveal itself to the world? Because now he's one of the most seminal voices of his generation. Yeah. And he's a multi-talented man. He's got bars, fam. He has, bruv. Yeah, because he's done a lot of work with like high focus and guys like that before. And one of my mates, Matt Flips, if you're listening, big up Matt. He did a little like uh, freestyle cipher with him in one of the gigs he went to a really? number of years ago. Yeah, oh, this is before he was famous and everything. And he was what? like, oh my God. But incredibly talented guy. And him together with the foreign beggars on the track is basically a no-brainer, really. It's, it sounds amazing. And there's a remix on there that I'm addicted to. Yeah, who did the remix? Faze Miyaki. Oh, big up, Faze Miyaki, sick. And I am, I can't stop playing that version of it. Yeah. I love it so much. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, you know. It's a native immigrants recommend something. It is literally the most awesome thing happening in the world right now. It really is, because generally, as you might have... I've, I'm sure I've said this before, I generally hate everything. Yeah, So myself included. <laughs> so for me to say that I love something and then play it on repeat means that I really, really, really do love it. So go and check it out. I highly, highly recommend Tutu Karma, but the deluxe version is even better. Yeah, and it's available on vinyl as well. Ooh. So listen to music as God originally intended. Absolutely. We've got a record player that's been massively underused. So yeah, I want to see if I can. Uh, I want to see if I can, you know holler at or if it's all going to. You're look, terrible. You know we like. We, go out and buy it. Yeah, I, I'm going to go out and support it. But you know, you know, if there's a mates rates and shit, do you know what I mean? Well, yeah. <laughs> we are we are Asian after all. Um, right, that was the first half of this week's episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast. When we come up on the other side, we've been talking about something a lot more serious. That is Jojo B's pregnancy and how difficult it has been for both of us. See you on the other side, people.
Welcome back to the second half of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. <laughs> <laughs> Jojo B has a mouthful of food right now. I did. My, my belly was rumbling. I was really scared that you're going to hear my belly rumble. Yeah. In the middle of... Um... Middle of our broadcast. You know, but you know, this is the thing. We've now told you the reasons for our show being uh, on and off for the last few months. Yeah. So we're preggers. We are indeed. And so with that comes cravings and needing to eat every now and then and yep. having to take new breaks every now and then yep. and having to stop the show and re-record certain things. Yep. But that's all part and parcel of the process that has been the last few months. Uh-huh. And in this half of the show, we're going to be talking about that in a lot more detail because I feel that, you know, our pregnancy... Well, your pregnancy. You know, I'm trying no, to make it's this... ours because we've gone through this together. This is a joint process. We have. Uh, it has been a difficult time for both of us. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I think, again, our communities don't discuss too much. When the, yeah, when difficulties arise, people like, don't like talking about it. And I think we um, have to be part of the change. Yeah. So we've got, <laughs> we've got drilling happening what is downstairs. Going on today. We've got uh, ambulances going past, blaring their sirens. And now there's some tapping noises I just heard a little while ago. Yeah, because I think they're hammering now. And your stomach rumbling. It's like a, we can actually like create a whole track from all these sample noises. It's a busy day around here. It's a busy day indeed. But let's go back a little bit, Jojo B. Mm-hmm. Um, we found out we were pregnant earlier on this year. We did. And for the first few weeks, it was, you know, a relatively straightforward uh, pregnancy. Yeah, we were in... New Zealand, didn't yeah. know we were pregnant, found out when we got back. Yes. Um, everything was fine, just a bit tired, but that's it. Yeah, I think um, that's that's normal uh, yeah. conditions for that. Yeah, and then comes week seven. The dreaded week seven for us. Yeah, that was the week that the infamous morning sickness came about. Mm. Which we felt that it was standard for you know pregnancies for that particular time you know it was going to happen you were going to have to encounter morning sickness at some point well not all women do but the majority do yeah but i I think even if it's in in a mild level there will be a mild level of morning sickness yeah they say around 70 percent of women who are pregnant will encounter some nausea and vomiting yeah in their pregnancy yeah so the majority of women do there's that 30 percent that lucky 30 <laughs> percent yeah you lucky ladies yeah who didn't don't go through any of that yeah um so week seven happened i started to feel the sickness that kicked in and mm. i thought well this is normal everyone goes through this yeah you know i just got to deal with it Started getting travel sickness. I was, I've never had travel sickness in my life. Yeah, absolutely. The journey yeah. to work, which takes me an hour and a half every day, there around then an hour and a half back, became like the longest journey of my life mm. because I was starting to feel really sick. But just trying to kind of do whatever I could to just counteract that. So I bought, I bought some those travel sickness bands. Yeah, you know? there's a lot of different recommendations that you get and you see yeah. from various forums yeah. and you know, you know, experience from a lot of different mothers yeah. of the stuff that they went through and I guess everyone's experience is different and everyone's uh, solutions for them are very very different as well and I think a lot of the time when you have normal nausea and vomiting in pregnancy these things these solutions will help mm. but what I didn't realize was that I didn't at that point have yeah. normal nausea and vomiting so I'm trying this tra- the travel sickness bands trying ginger biscuits yeah all that stuff 
none of it's working mm. and i'm like oh my god i'm just pathetic and really soft i can't cope with whatever everybody else has to deal with yeah what's going on because it got to a point where the nausea got so bad that i woke up one day and was like i can't go into work yeah i can't yeah, I, that. I can't face moving around so i thought i was coming down with something because i thought this is not normal morning sickness mm. um or as it's officially known nausea and vomiting in pregnancy so I thought, I better go to the doctor because this doesn't feel normal. This doesn't feel right. But he's probably just going to tell me that I'm being pathetic and that I need to get over it. Uh, I went to the doctor. Basically, that's what he said to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like, you know, you've got nausea and it's probably a bit worse than, than normal, but it can it can be like this. Don't worry about it. He goes, I'll sign you off for another week because I think you need to rest because you look really weak. Yes. And uh, come back if you feel like you need to see me again. Yes. But this happens to women don't worry about it Mm. took another week off the end of that week the actual sickness starts happening yeah it was kind of almost like it was building like slowly gathering pace yeah so i again didn't eat anything i couldn't i couldn't even look at food yeah by that point because obviously i was trying to get you to eat something yeah and the thought of food was making you induce some vomit couldn't and more importantly i couldn't drink anything i was really struggling yeah. to drink so i was um getting dehydrated yeah as well as even little eating. bit even like just a drop of water every now and then wasn't working either no just the idea of it made me want to be sick i think i thought that was the point where i started having lots of lemonade because that was the one thing that yeah. i could i could kind of deal with because it was sweet and sour at the same time we got through bottles and bottles of sprite that those, oh those few weeks That's basically what i was living on and then, yeah, the sickness started. Yeah. And at first it was just like, you know, brushing your teeth and then you vomit because the, just the, the action of brushing your teeth kind of yeah. did that. It just got worse and worse. Yeah. So I was getting towards the end of that second week of being signed off and I went back to work, but I was still throwing up mm. and I was still feeling really nauseous and travel sick and all that stuff. And these bands are not bloody working and I'm like, what's going on? Yeah. And then I went to the doctor again <laughs> yeah which is almost like a third potentially fourth trip in yeah. the space of only like a couple of weeks i'm like this isn't getting any better and the doctor was like right fine i can give you some tablets that will help with the nausea and see that like, i was always under the impression that you really weren't supposed to take anything during pregnancy or any kind of medication yeah. of any kind yeah it's frowned upon every all the stuff that you read you know try and keep it natural try not to have any any medication it's stay away it could from be it. harmful yeah. to the baby etc etc yeah. don't put chemicals into your body eat natural all that kind of bullshit yeah and here I am living on lemonade, not <laughs> yeah, having yeah. to take these tablets. So I tried the tablets. They didn't work. Mm. One day, it went to another level. Yeah. Everything that I was eating or drinking or trying to even think about eating or drinking was making me feel sick. Mm. The smell of everything made me want to be sick, including... The smell of my love. <laughs> yeah. And by love, she doesn't mean chocolate. She means the barracuda. Well, I mean both. But yes, mostly <laughs> yeah. I mean you. So, I yeah. Couldn't, I, couldn't, was... I couldn't stand the smell of people. Hmm. You know, so on on the train or going to work or the commute, the people's breath and their BO obviously usually is disgusting anyway. But it, there's a new smell that I can now smell through this pregnancy, which is like something i've never i've never smelt it before and i didn't i can't still articulate what it's like but it's like a higher pitch 
of smell. <laughs> a higher pitch, a higher sound of smell. Yeah, because it is quite like, it's like a heightened smell. I don't know how to explain it. It's kind of sweet and disgusting and just an awful, awful smell. And actually now thinking of that smell makes me feel really nauseous. Oh dear. Um, Buckets on ready, people. And I hope that this smell goes after the baby comes because... I don't think I ever want to smell this smell ever again. (laughs) But for the last few months, I've been able to smell it. And at that particular point, early on in my pregnancy, it was fucking awful. Mm. I smelt it one day. I remember getting up, um, brushing my teeth and not being sick and thinking, yay, I wasn't sick today. And then I walked into our room and I could smell us, like smell people. (laughs) Yeah. And I ran back out and I threw up. Yeah. Straight away. I remember that. And that was the day that you went to work and said stay home. Yeah. Because I was, I was really not well. And then it just didn't stop. The yeah. Being sick didn't stop. I tried to have some some food, tried to have some cereal. Because I, tr- I was still trying. Because when you have uh, morning sickness or nausea and vomiting, you, you still have to try to eat. Mm. And most people can still carry on eating. You might throw a bit of it up, but you don't feel like averse to food. Yeah. But the aversion to food is what was making this so much worse for me. Absolutely. And so it just kept getting worse and worse. So I rang the doctor and I was like, oh, you know, it's just getting really bad and my tablets aren't staying down. I don't know what to do. She said, come in. I went and she did. Um, whenever you go and see the doctor when you're pregnant, you have to give a urine sample. It's just like standard. She did the urine sample. And she just looked at me. And she went, you need to go to hospital. Yeah. Right straight now. to A&E. So we uh, went to hospital. Yeah. I jetted straight back from work. To get you to go straight to A&E at yeah. a local hospital. Yeah. Uh, we were 10 weeks pregnant at this point. Yes. And they kept me in. <laughs> they were like, yeah, we're going to keep you in. We're going to put you in a drip. You've got something called hyperemesis gravidarum. The big two words. The It's almost like the words of 2018 for us. Yeah. You know, because we've now heard those two words pretty much every week for the last six months or so. Yep. This is a condition that is an extreme pregnancy sickness. It's not morning sickness. It's not like, oh, morning sickness gone wrong. It's none of that. It's a condition that happens when you're pregnant. Mm. People don't know what causes it. Mm. Um, There's nothing you can do to prevent it. There's nothing that you can, that that I would have done to make it happen. Yeah. It's just some women get it. Yeah. And unfortunately, I was one of those women. So, um, approximately in the UK, yeah. Um, what? How? Like, how many? Because I'd never heard of this condition ever before. Obviously, I wouldn't, because I don't have any kids that I know of. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, people that have this condition, with something, I thought initially, is this like a really rare thing? Mm-hmm. Is it really unusual? Yeah. Or how common is it in the UK, Jojo B? So, like I said, seventy percent of women will have some form of nausea and vomiting in pregnancy. Yeah. Right? Um, 45% of women will have both, like vomiting and nausea. Right. There's a smaller number that will just get the nausea. Okay. So then that whittles down even more with hyperemesis gravidarum. Right. It affects 1% to 1.5% of women, pregnant women. Wow. Yeah. It's really uh, uncommon to have it as severe as I've had it. Right, right. Uh, the most notable kind of c- celebrity that's had it yeah. is 
Kate Middleton or, you know, the the Duchess of Cambridge. Yes. She had it in all three of her pregnancies. Oh, my God. Um, I don't know how she's... She's a trooper, is yeah. all I can say. She's a trooper, but also uh, she has the expertise of the top doctors of the country. This is very true. To be a beck and call. This is very true. But no matter what, she's gone through the same things that yeah. I've gone through. From the reading that I did around it, actually, that one and a half percent is probably underestimating it massively. Oh, really? um, because a lot of women go undiagnosed. Uh, it's really hard to diagnose because nausea and vomiting is so common in pregnancy anyway. Mm. So there'll be a lot of women who just don't realize that they have it and just get on with things. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's only when it gets to severe level to the point where you need to be hospitalized. I think that then that's when you get a diagnosis. Mm. Some women might not get to that point. Or they might not go to their doctor when they should be going to their doctor. So it, it, it is an underestimated number, they reckon. Um, but it's a very small proportion of women that do get this. So it's, I don't want to scare anyone who's pregnant. You know, you're definite, you've definitely got this if you've thrown up a couple of times. But if you've got, some, if you've got very similar symptoms yeah. uh, to what we've been talking about right now yeah. in the last 10, 15 minutes, then really it is something that you should go to your doctor to see as soon as possible yeah because um if you're going through so much struggle and trauma uh over something that you could potentially get treated for then it's really worth doing absolutely i think that sometimes you just feel like you're not coping very well rather than the condition is very severe yeah and with hyperemesis you need to have medical intervention yes it can get to a point where it gets so severe that you will be hospitalized for the rest of your pregnancy. Oh my God. You know, um, you can, at the very, very worst circumstances, lose your child. Oh my God. Because what's happening is, is that you're not getting the nutrients that your body needs because you're dehydrated and because you're not eating anything, Mm. your body um, goes into something called ketosis which it then um, starts to kind of basically eat away its own tissue. Oh, my God. That's horrendous. And that's, and that's what they're looking for in the urine sample that you provide as ketones. If the, your ketones are very high, that means that your body's got into that phase. Um, and that is not a good place to be when you're pregnant. Right. Yeah, of course. A lot of people try to get into ketosis when they're dieting and things like that. And that's up to them. That's that's a different process. But while you're pregnant... You've got you, another life to think yeah, about. You shouldn't be doing that. It means your kidneys are failing. Like They're not doing the job that they need to be doing. Mm. So it can be very harmful to the baby and it can be very harmful to the woman. They think that um, Charlotte Bronte... Um, in the 1800s, 1855, I think she passed away. She was four months pregnant and she wrote a diary and she was kind of detailing all the things that were happening. And she had a night of of very, very severe vomiting and then she died. Oh, God. So um, that was the 1800s, you know, 19th centuries, different, different time. These things didn't really kind of have a name back then. I mean, these things didn't really have a name like 30 years ago, to be mm. honest. But um, that's the extent it can get to. Wow. If okay. you're if it's left untreated, if you don't go to the doctor, if you don't eat and you're not drinking, you're doing yourself and your child harm. Yeah. And you know, you shouldn't really be also a martyr over this as well. A lot of women will just say, Okay, I'm just having a difficult pregnancy, I'm vomiting a little bit more, I'm going through a lot more morning sickness and not able to keep things down but it will be okay it'll be okay in maybe the second trimester or the third trimester everything will calm down and they go through it for the the entire nine months and just put it down to the fact that oh i'm just probably had a little bit more of a difficult pregnancy than normal but you know it's it's nothing that i can't handle yeah and there are 
treatments for all these things. Yeah. Do go to see your GP. And if they do recommend you go to the hospital, just go and get seen to because you could stop yourself from going through some a mass ordeal, which is completely unnecessary. Yeah. And also, if you go to your GP and they dismiss you, keep going back. Yeah. If, it's, if it doesn't feel right, if something doesn't feel like it's normal to you, then go back. And I know your body's going through lots of changes when you're pregnant. Yeah. And um, for a lot of these women, I guess it's their first, you know, if it's a first pregnancy yeah. and you've got no benchmark or basis to compare it to, you could potentially think, well, this is what pregnancy is yeah and you you speak to other people and they say oh i sometimes had that or sometimes i didn't have that but every woman is different yeah it's you know some things are very uncommon and unless you speak to your gps unless you speak to your doctors explain everything in detail just tell it like it is to these people and there might be a solution at the end of it which could actually stop you from encountering months and months of the same thing. Absolutely. So, yeah, talk to your doctor, talk to your midwife, any health professional that you're going to come across if something doesn't feel right, whether that's this sickness. I've got friends who've had other issues as well. You know, if something doesn't feel like it should be happening or is normal or you've not heard it being mentioned by anybody before as a symptom, then talk to your doctor about it. Like I said, I kept going back to the doctor Mm. because something didn't feel right. And eventually they gave me some meds Mm. and they didn't work. So then I ended up on loads of meds. (laughs) Basically, it was like trial and error because there's different combinations of medications that you can take and you just have to find what works best for you. Yeah, it's a cocktail of drugs. And it really is a cocktail because I was taking uh, three different types of medication a day. Yeah. Three times a day. Yeah, it's crazy. And... I felt guilty that I was doing that because I thought I was doing my baby some harm. Mm. There's lots of chemicals going into me. Some of these are really powerful drugs. They're drugs that they give to chemotherapy patients to stop them from being sick yes. when they have chemotherapy. They're quite, you know, heavy duty They're drugs. No joke. Yeah. Um, and I spoke to the doctor about it. And the doctor basically said to me, well, there's no use in you not taking these tablets and getting yourself to a point where you're so ill that you can't carry on with the pregnancy or that you die you being alive is what keeps your baby alive and if this helps you then the the benefit completely outweighs the risk Mm. and none of these these tablets have been um uh, been tested on pregnant women because ethically they can't do that (laughs) they're not (laughs) allowed to do tests on pregnant women but there's a lot of history now of women taking these tablets during pregnancy and they're not causing any problems with babies or so far they've not found any any kind of problems that have been caused um some of them might have some side effects for you as the mum but you know that's just the risk that i had to take yeah yeah and there was one that could have caused me long-term neurological damage but that was the one that worked the best (laughs) yeah it's (laughs) what's the right thing to do what's the wrong thing to do you know it's it's so difficult Especially when you're there in that moment and in these instances, you know, over that time. Because, you know, for me, obviously, as the other half, it's a lot more of a a helpless experience. um, Because you're seeing your wife struggle, you're seeing her really go through some hard times. And all you could do is be the support network for her and take her to hospital, take her back and forth. Nights that we were both sat there, you know, in a hospital, while you sat there on a drip, basically waiting for doctors to come see you and another bag put on you and it's you know you you feel helpless but you know all you can do is basically be that support network 
for your missus. And obviously the end goal of this is to make sure that we both have a healthy baby at the end of it. Yeah. And there's two sides to it. But when you're there experiencing it, it can be extremely difficult. It feels like there's no way out. Yeah. Um, and it, it it cuts you off as well. If you're feeling that nauseous, you can't go outside. I was signed off at the very first time I was signed off. I was signed off for six weeks overall. Yeah, it's in crazy. The end. I think I had a couple of days where I'd gone into work and even my work lot looked at me and were like, you should not be here. Like, mm. you look terrible. And I ended up having to stay at home again. I tried to work from home, couldn't do that either. When your body is <laughs> is at that point, you have to rest. Yeah. And it makes you very, very tired because you're not eating, you're not consuming anything. You're very, very nauseous. You are sitting there on your own most of the days so, because you were yeah, at work. Of course, yeah, yeah, exactly. You were at work and we didn't tell, at first we didn't tell anybody because it was still very early on. We didn't even tell our parents because it's still very early on into the pregnancy. Yeah. After my first day in hospital, we decided to tell the family and that was still earlier than we wanted to. Yeah, you know, obviously there's there's a lot of superstition within yeah. our communities about when you should tell the family, uh, how many people within the family you should tell, extended family, etc. When With a situation like this occurs, there really is no thought process on tradition and superstition no. and taboos because if god forbid you know things were happening within the hospitals and our parents didn't know about them we'd literally not be able to show our faces to them as well yeah either. and you need the support you need that support network around you because yes you were doing your best my love but you need support as well going through this so yeah. the the two of you need to have a support network around you so you need your family or your friends to to be there to help you through yeah there's a level of um support but there has to also be a level of understanding and and sometimes within our families and extended families that's not necessarily uh the reaction you get from a lot of people yeah people think that you're being a drama queen yeah. you know like and my, pe- my mom has always said to me she never had any problems during her pregnancy everything was fine never really knew she didn't even know she was pregnant <laughs> for the first few weeks mm. because she didn't have any sickness or anything like that and i remember talking to your mom about this stuff as well and she had had sickness mm. but you know still got on with it yeah, yeah and wasn't able to kind of just sit back and say no i'm yeah. not going to do anything and so you feel like you're not coping you're the one who's a bit too soft yeah exactly you know you're not as hard as that generation and maybe we're not as hard as that generation but maybe also we're a lot more aware of things that are very dangerous to your health yeah so whilst those women carried on like our moms and other ladies of that generation just carried on and got on with stuff Hmm. and sometimes that was very detrimental to their health now we're a lot more educated and yes you have the power of the internet and i have to say like it was a double-edged sword for me, like Googling my <laughs> Googling my symptoms. Yeah. Firstly, it was good in one way because I started to realise that maybe I did have hyperemesis before it was diagnosed. But then I thought, nah, surely there's other stuff that goes along with this. Yeah. So I didn't go down that road too much. But obviously when you Google stuff, it always takes you down the worst case scenario. Yeah, you're literally knocking on heaven's door. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... I kind of understood what hypermesis was. So when it was when I was told that I had that, I knew what it was. But at the same time, I didn't think that I had that because that was the worst case scenario, basically. Mm, and I was like, no, nah, yeah. that's not going to be me. So you kind of dismiss it a little bit as well. So I don't recommend Googling too much. No, I think it's it's good to have some kind of an understanding. One yeah. of your symptoms. Yeah. 
uh, and you know then trying to piece together people that have had very similar experiences to that yes. you know so you know online forums are good in that way because yeah, there's a lot of resources out there yeah you know you get a lot of women that have experienced similar things and they're able to convey what their conditions were and the treatments that they took and the solution at the end of it yeah and so that can be very very helpful but don't get sucked into the google hole which tells you the worst case scenarios of everything because it could be something extremely trivial yeah it could be something simple that you don't need to worry about yeah um but like we've been saying if there's anything that you feel doesn't feel right for whatever reason it could even if it's just the smallest thing and it doesn't it could be nothing but it could be something hmm. it's worth going to see your doctor about and i have to say i'm really lucky like my gps have been amazing yeah um they have really listened and really taken my concern seriously even when it hasn't because they know it's my first baby yeah so even when it hasn't been anything for other issues they've still taken the time to talk to me either yeah. on the phone or in person because i'm pregnant they don't want me to kind of rush backwards and forwards from the from the surgery all the time yeah they will always arrange a call to talk to me over the phone and Absolutely, just reassure yeah. me and i think that's been really really helpful so establish that relationship with your gp you might be one of those people that never goes to the doctor <laughs> yeah establish that relationship with your gp and really use them as a resource as well obviously don't waste their time but the longer you leave it with hyperemesis the harder it is to treat yeah be, um, and some women have to have a permanent line put in their arm oh, so God. you have a pick line it's called um and you have you be hooked up to a drip constantly because mm. there's the, the the nausea and the vomiting won't stop if it gets yeah. to a certain point Again, it's different for every woman, but that's like one of the worst case scenarios that you can be end up bedridden for your whole pregnancy. Oh, God. And me being stuck at home for those six weeks and then multiple times afterwards as well, because I was hospitalized three times yeah. for the hyperemesis and a fourth time for something else. So I spent a lot of time in hospital and I've never spent time in hospital before. I've never, I'd never spent the night in hospital. I'd never had to have this much treatment before. Um, and it was all very new and very, very scary. And that's another aspect of hyperemesis as well, is that it can affect your mental health. Mm. So like I said, it cuts you off from people because you're forced to stay home. But also it can make you scared of going out because you might throw up. So I, I, I still do as well, carry a carrier bag with me in yeah, case I'm I sick. Know, yeah. At the height of it, I couldn't bear the idea of going out because yeah, just yeah. in case I had to throw up in public. There's a lot of um, you know events and functions, weddings that we, we missed unfortunately it. missed out on going to this year yeah. because of it. Um, you know, and I think you know once we told people the situation and and your condition, and I think people were a lot more understanding. Uh, you know, for the reasons for us not being a lot of these places, yeah. but unless people have gone through this themselves they're never really going to understand the real gravitas of it uh, because it is a severe condition. And when you do get people saying, oh, but I never really got that. That never really happened in my pregnancy. Maybe just try this and try that, but you'll be fine. You'll be okay. Yeah. Um, it, <laughs> it, could sound, it could sound, um, you know, as if you know, in the, their heart's in the right place. But it could also it could be like a little bit demeaning as well at the same time. Yeah, because again, it makes you feel like you're not the one. You're the one who's not coping very well. Yeah, uh, and that's not the case with this condition. If you have it, you have it, 
and you have to live with it and you have to deal with it and you have to manage it as best you can. Yeah. But it's not going to be something that you can stop from happening. It's not something that you've caused. It's not you being soft and rubbish at being pregnant. It's none of that. And all of those things are things that went through my mind. Mm. I, and, you know, people will be like, oh, I should try ginger. Yeah. Don't fucking tell me to try ginger ever again. Every time I've mentioned this to somebody, they've said, oh, have you tried ginger? Ginger biscuits or having a bit of ginger, ginger tea. No, because it doesn't fucking work for high premises. Mm. <laughs> and it won't work for high premises. I think it rarely works for bloody normal morning sickness anyway. Yeah. But, you know, you'll have people saying these things like, oh, well, have you tried this? Have you tried that? Like, you're not doing your best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're doing it because they're trying to be helpful. So don't take it to heart. But also don't feel like you're not trying your best. No, of There's course. nothing you can do to make this better yeah. without going to the doctor and, and having a management scheme in terms of medication and the way that you're looking after yourself and rest and all of that stuff. Yeah. It's not, it's not your fault that this is happening. No, of course. And I think, I guess for me being the other half and not really truly... Uh, getting to grips with the condition itself mm-hmm. and obviously this is our our first pregnancy and so we're really thrown in the deep end in that way you, you speak to your parents and other people that you know just had babies to see how their experiences were and then you do a little bit of reading and stuff as well I try not to spend too much time in books because what I found is every person's situation is very very different yeah. and so some person could talk about exactly their process and how the pregnancy was for them and none of that could apply to you mm. and so you've got to go with you know with what you've been given in a way how the cards have been dealt in your life yeah and and so it's been difficult from my side because of that level of understanding I could almost sound like bearing the brunt of all that <laughs> anger and frustration uh, stuff for Jojo B. Um, but putting myself in her shoes and how difficult it's been for her. With the podcast, we've missed a few shows here and there. And she still managed to make time to do this show and, and to ensure that we still have some kind of content for our listeners. Most of the time, I couldn't really couldn't be asked. <laughs> yeah, well, this is the thing, you know, and that's been so amazingly admirable and and we've kept obviously this situation quiet for so long until mm. the point where we realize that this condition and the pregnancy itself is something that we do have to discuss amongst our community because yeah. you know as much as we talk about pregnancies amongst each other um, and our families and our extended families the difficulties that could arise from it people don't really understand yet i think there's because it's not very well known i think people will like I said, just say, oh, she's just, she's just being soft. Yeah. She, she didn't, she, there was nothing wrong with me. Get on with it. I, I used to be sick, but I used to manage to kind of eat something and get on with my work and look after my family or whatever. Um, well, I went to the GP the second time that we that I had to go into hospital. went to GP first. And your mum came with me because she knew by this point. You were at work, so she was like closer. So she decided to come instead because it was going to be quicker. She came with me and she um, came in to see the GP and stuff. And the GP said to me, do you have any issues at home? Like, is are you getting support? Is your husband being supportive? And I don't think the GP realised that this is your mum. So she was like, is your mother-in-law supportive? And I was like, this is my mother-in-law. She's amazing. <laughs> oh dear. She's amazing. She's very supportive. And she's like, oh, okay, fine. Um, but I think it's within very... Within our communities. W- yeah, within our community. And, you know, the doctor was Asian and we live in quite a heavily Asian area. They must see it all the time that mm. actually people, women aren't getting the support that they need. Yeah. Um, and people, they end up facing 
abuse because of it from their families because it's like mental torture they're just kind of they're going through this physically and they're really not coping and then they get this kind of relationship breakdown with either their partner or their extended family their in-laws or whatever yeah. because they're not getting the support that they need and people just think they're being pathetic and they they they're just not need fulfilling to get over their it. role as a as a housewife and yeah, a dutiful exactly. housewife as well at the same time exactly and, it, and, there, and there's a whole thing about comparing one person to the other yeah and you know so and so has been you know still been carrying on doing all these roles while she's like four five six seven months pregnant yeah you know uh, and they feel that you're being a little bit of a, a soft sap because yeah. of it and you get these women that oh well i worked till i till i dropped yeah you know? I, I, great for you you know if you can do that then brilliant if you can't then don't feel bad about it no of course <laughs> you know yeah. like that's don't, not, but don't judge other people for going through different experiences and not the same as e- yours exactly exactly and i think that like i said you need the support network and i'm really really lucky that i get on so well with your mum and dad because they're here they're near my mum and dad are up north they they felt really helpless their mum just rang me every day really worried um you know like that level of support doesn't come from every family um if people have children already like i I mentioned that i couldn't stand the smell of people yeah that happens with this this is quite common with high premises so if you've already got a child and then you're pregnant with your second child and this is happening and sometimes it doesn't happen in your first pregnancy it comes in your second pregnancy it can happen at any time yeah what if you can't stand the smell of your own children? Yeah, it's crazy, right? You know, and I went on to uh, Mum's Net and had a look on there and their forums. And there were women who were saying that, like, I can't, I feel so guilty. Mm. And it makes me want to cry because I can't look after my child because I can't stand the smell of my child. Yeah, yeah. You know, so this is like, it affects your mental well-being in so many different ways. For me personally, the pressure of, I just had started a new job. Yeah. And then we found out we were pregnant. Mm. and that had came, come as a bit of a surprise and then this happened with the sickness and I had to be signed off and here I am I'm like what are they thinking yeah absolutely what are they, you know like uh, what impression am I making and th- so that was on my mind and then I found out that I because it was my first year at work you don't get um a lot of weeks of company pay I ran out of pay <laughs> I didn't get any company sickness yeah sick you used up all your sick days right yeah so then I found out and I didn't realize this at the time but I found out afterwards looking at my wage slip I've, I'm on statutory sick pay. Mm. We can't afford that. You know, like we need them every, now that we're having a child, every penny counts. Yeah. And so I couldn't, I was like, what the hell's going on here? So then now that's made me very conscious of the fact that if I need to take any more time off because of sickness, I'm going to be on statutory sick pay yeah. at a much lower level than what I would normally get paid. Um, and for a lot of women, that's really common. And a lot, quite often, women are forced to end up resigning because they just can't return to work. That's crazy shit. Um, I'm for me, like I've got to a point. I got to about week twenty twenty one, and it started to settle down. And my um, management of it with my medication became much better. So I was, I kind of got to understand how what worked and what didn't work for yeah. me. For some women, it continues very strongly all the way through their pregnancy, and they just cannot go back to work. If you're one of those people with a pick line and the drip stuck, you know, stuck to you every day, you can't go and work, can you? Yeah. So this high premises can affect all of your life. It can, there was that time I just, I just realized I didn't wash my hair for two weeks. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. there's things that you can't do. I couldn't, I couldn't wash the dishes because if I stood for too long, because I wasn't eating, I would, um, my blood pressure would drop and I yeah. would get really faint. Uh, also, you couldn't I couldn't brush your teeth as well for I, a few days, yeah, I remember? Yeah, there was like two, three days in a trot where I didn't brush my teeth. Yeah, the washing my hair thing was 
partly because uh, I couldn't stand for too long. Yeah. Partly because I couldn't put my head back because that made me feel really sick. Yeah. And partly because the smell of shampoo and conditioner, any shampoo and conditioner, made me want to heave. Yeah, yeah. You know, some days I couldn't shower, but I, I use a kind of perfumeless shower gel, so <laughs> that wasn't too bad. Uh, but it was just insane, the things that you would normally do and that make you feel like a human, I couldn't do. And yeah. so that really like it just really affected my self-confidence and like and how I th- thought about myself because I was like what have I become yeah because it would be a case of on a week by week basis we'd encounter another problem yeah. every week yeah. uh, over the space of almost like three months almost yeah um you know it would start with one thing and then you'd almost come to a point where you're overcoming these things and then something else would come along which you're unable to do that was affecting yeah. you or there was some kind of issue, you know, within your internal system. Yeah. And then we had to go back to the doctors again and they, you know, recommend you other treatments or medicine, etc. Yeah. And then you get over that bit and you think, right, you're finally getting back to some kind of normality and you get hit with like another thing, you know? And it was it was constantly like if you'd thrown the whole book at you with every single worst side effect that comes from pregnancy, you yeah. pretty much encountered all of them over such a short space of time yeah. as well. I think the thing that really hits you and I, cause I've, I, you know, I've been lucky. I don't think I have suffered from mental health issues before. Um, not, not any that, I, you know, that I was aware of anyway. Um, but because my sense of kind of dignity had gotten and because I was cooped up at home, mm. um, I, you just, you feel rubbish. And I think for a lot of women, it can lead to depression. Yeah. You become so cut off from everybody and you're so, you feel so alone going through this. Although you were there with me and kind of um, by my side, you had to go to work. So there was hours on end that I was by myself. Yeah. Uh, there was times when you would come home and you'd, uh, I'd be in the same position that you left me in. Yeah. yeah I hadn't yeah. moved because I couldn't bear the thought of getting up yeah. and moving. And there's no way of explaining how how you feel because physically you're very tired and run down and you feel awful but then mentally that affects you because you can't just get up and do normal things i couldn't getting up and going to the bathroom was really difficult at some at some point because Mm. i had no energy yeah and i didn't know if i was going to fall down or you know if i was going to be sick again and that kind of thing and the fear of being sick again is just there constantly eats away at you Yeah, yeah and so like the anxiety builds up as well um, and that makes it really hard. And like I said, you don't want to go outside because you might be sick in public. So that's another that's another kind of aspect to that anxiety. And it yeah. all builds up. And so it can really kind of affect you as a person, whether you've had any mental health issues before or not. It very much can put you in that zone. Yeah. Um, people who have hyperemesis are more likely to have postnatal depression. Oh, wow as well as prenatal dep- depression. Mm. It affects your um, ability to recover from a pregnancy. Right. So the postnatal recovery takes longer, potentially. Not always, but you're more likely to have a longer period of recovery right. because of that. So it's not like once you've had the baby, everything goes away. For some women, it does. You know, for some women, they instantly feel better. Mm. For some women, it doesn't. Yeah. And because you're you're already feeling low, 
that can then make it hard later on to bond with your baby because for some women it makes them feel like the baby's out to get them yeah. you know like it, it, it can make you feel suicidal oh my god there's a number of women who are, are, have had to or if they felt that they've got to a point where they have to terminate their pregnancy. Oh, that's so sad. Because of this. Like, these are the things that happen. And yes, they're, you know, worst case scenarios, but these are all things that can happen um, with hyperemesis, especially if it's not treated at an early stage. And yeah. there are medical professionals who don't take it seriously, who will tell you it's all in your head and that you need to just get on with it, uh, just like family members might do or friends might do. Yeah. Um, th there's medical professionals who who won't take it that seriously and will let you get to a point where you can't cope anymore that you have to you have to abort your baby you know or you end up with something like postnatal depression afterwards mm. that kind of thing it can it can cause trauma <laughs> you can get post-traumatic stress disorder from this you're more likely to have that because you've had a traumatic pregnancy um if you have problems through your labor as well that can all yeah, then be combined it yeah it can all be kind of combined into the ptsd all of these things can happen from hyperemesis and i had no idea about any of this hopefully i won't have to i won't go through any of that touch wood yeah. you know touch wood but i at some points said i wish we hadn't done this yeah and to say that now like i feel really bad like i i it just makes you feel even worse because then, then you have guilt on top of everything else. No, of course, of course. You know, I, and I feel like, I feel guilty as well sometimes because, you know, like I, you know, when we were talking about, you know, wanting to start and try for a family, mm. you know, it was, it was something that I was very keen on, yes. you know. Yeah. And so even I, to this point, to see the, the trauma that you've gone through all this time, mm. you, know, you know, I do feel a partial sense of responsibility for it as well at the same time. Oh, you know, funnily, your mom said the same thing to me the other day. Yeah, and my mum said as well, when we, when we were in Newcastle, we pestered you for so long to have a baby and we wanted to have a grandchild yeah. and we wanted you to, you know, become parents so badly and now look at how much you're suffering. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they feel that sense of guilt as well. So it affects everybody. Yeah, it, it really does. It affects everyone in the family. Like my mum's been going out of her mind. And these are just things that what can you do like once you're in that situation you don't know if you're going to be in that situation you might be absolutely fine yeah and you have to go into these things positively yeah exactly um, and hoping that it will be okay and sometimes it's not okay and sometimes you go through something like hyperemesis or one of the many other conditions that you can get through pregnancy you know there's preeclampsia which is high blood pressure and there's loads of other things all that various other friends have been through as well yeah um and we just don't talk about them yeah we don't discuss and um there's so many women go through this you know we're hearing more and more stories because once we do open up that google hole it does open you up to so many other mothers that have gone through exactly the same thing yeah um and we would have been completely unaware of it had we not encountered it and endured it ourselves and they discuss and they they talk about the condition and, and the solutions for it and different things work for different people but unless we talk about it amongst each other you know we're not going to move forward we've, we're lucky now that there's so much advancement in technology and medicine which enables these things to get treated a lot earlier uh, and stops the elevation of something a lot worse over the course of a pregnancy yeah but I guess until it's actually spoken about very early on and, and seen to very early on, how many more women have we been encountering this 
and feeling at the lowest ebb to yeah. the point where you, they terminate their babies, which is just horrific to even think. Yeah. And it could have been alleviated just from being seen to and and discussed and, and, and treated at an early stage. Yeah. Like I said, this is rare. It's maximum 2% of women at the moment are diagnosed with it. So it is rare. And maybe that's why people don't talk about it so much. But um, complications in pregnancy and having problematic pregnancies um probably isn't as rare as you think and i have no desire to scare anyone i don't want anyone to be like you know this is a horror story and i'm trying to put you off or trying to freak you out or add to your anxieties that are already there when you're pregnant um that's not that but what i want to do is say that this happens this condition happens it's not spoken about really that much and you need to be aware of it if something doesn't feel right. Mm. Like you said, forums, online forums and stuff, the Mumsnet Hyperemesis Gravidarum Forum was really useful for me in terms mm. of learning how to manage it because there were women on there who had had experience of the use of taking the medications that I'd taken yeah, and the combinations that I was using and stuff. And like they gave their experiences so that I could kind of then figure out you know, if I was feeling a certain way that, that that was normal and that if something didn't feel quite right, somebody else had gone through it and they'd talk to their doctor and maybe I should talk to my doctor. Yeah. That kind of thing. I found that really, really useful. I also found a website called the Pregnancy um, Sickness Support website. Yeah. Um, and they also have a helpline so you can ring them and talk to them as well, which is really, really useful because that was when I was at that point of feeling too sick but not sure if I should go to the doctor about okay, it. Okay, yeah. And they kind of kind of said well this is what the majority of women will feel this is what women with hyperemesis will feel and that's when I was like oh maybe I should start going to the doctor now and talking to them about it um and then in the U.S. there's the Hyperemesis Education and Research Foundation or the HER Foundation um they have really useful information on there as well it's very obviously U.S. related but the the advice is pretty similar over here um and then there's the NHS website as well so those are all things, those are all points of contact that I went to yeah. to find more information for myself. Yeah. Um, and they were really useful in knowing that actually I'm not alone in it, you know, and, and just being reassured that it's not my fault. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's the main thing that I didn't do anything. It wasn't because I didn't exercise that much. It wasn't because I ate this before and I probably shouldn't have eaten it or whatever. Mm. It's got nothing to do with that. They still don't know what causes it. Um, some women just happen to have it. If you're pregnant with twins, you're more likely to have it. Yeah. So they think that maybe it could be hormone related, mm. which it probably is. But it just like it was just knowing that I wasn't alone in that and yeah. that it wasn't something that I had caused. That found very very useful. So they're really good resources. And I would, if you're not sure how you're feeling, if something doesn't feel right, and you don't want to burden your GP just yet, yeah. Then go and check out those resources and see if there's anything on there that you know might just kind of flick a switch in your brain and maybe like okay i do need to go and get this checked out yeah we also wanted to mention it because this past week was world mental health day yes it was and hyperemesis as i said has got very strong link to anxiety and depression Mm. um so we just wanted to highlight that as well because it's it's something that is very important for pregnant women and it should be spoken about i was in hospital again not long ago for different issues some breathing issues and heart related issues after a lot of tests the doctor said that he thought that it was actually anxiety that was causing it Mm. um and he said that you know you've had a really traumatic pregnancy so far and i think you're confidence is shot in you feeling confident with how to cope with pregnancy and being pregnant 
Yeah. It's not even something I'd ever considered. Yeah, no, you know? exactly. I don't feel confident in be in my ability to be pregnant. It's not even something that I had consciously thought about. Yeah. But when the doctor said it, it kind of hit a chord with me. And, um, and I think that a lot of women will feel the same way. So... I thought it's very, very important to highlight it during this week. Yeah, unfortunately, those are two circumstances that can be linked, you know, mental health and hyperemesis. It's been so difficult for so many women. Yes, it is only 2% of women that encounter these issues within the UK. But I'm hearing more and more women go through very difficult pregnancies. And what what could be straightforward for one person could be extremely traumatic for another. And, you know, until we sit down talk about these things amongst ourselves amongst our communities we're never going to be able to move forward with uh, an understanding of these conditions mm-hmm. you know we've encountered a hyperemesis and someone you know may be going through that very similarly to us and and don't have a solution for it a light at the end of the tunnel for it and or you might not even if somebody you know is going through it you might not have grasped actually what they're going through yeah because it is really hard to articulate, especially while you're in the middle of going through it. Yeah. Uh, it has got much better for us now. And so, like I said, at the very beginning of this bit, I was hungry. And that is something that I don't take for granted now. No, of course. Because <laughs> for a long time, and still certain days now, I don't feel hungry. Yeah. And I don't want to eat. And I know that's not good for my baby. But to feel hungry and have my tummy rumble <laughs> yeah. is a luxury that I didn't realize that I, you know, and that, that I should appreciate. No, exactly, exactly. And, you know, there there will be a lot of people around us. There is a lot of people around us that we've spoken to, extended family, friends, family itself, over the last few months. And I guess they still haven't got to grips with exactly what it is or Mm -hmm. a level of understanding. And trying to get them to, to see what this is and reasons for us sometimes not being there, not being around, can be quite difficult. But... As a community, we need to understand more. We need to be a bit more woke um, to things like this. And unless we speak about it, unless we talk about it, unless we discuss it, we'll be none the wiser. And we can only move forward as a community with understanding and support. And compassion. And compassion, indeed. We're coming up to the end of this week's show, but we also want to raise awareness of Baby Loss Awareness Week that happened this past week from the 9th to the 15th of October. Mm. Um, it's another taboo. A, another taboo and another thing that we need to highlight within our communities because sadly enough, we've known instances of people within our lives that have unfortunately lost their baby mm. and it's been extremely traumatic. And, you know, sometimes they do have a level of support amongst the people they know. Sometimes they don't. Yep. And I know within our communities, it's a, it's a very hidden taboo almost in a way in a sense yeah, people don't like talking about it at all do they yeah it's it's one of those things where you want to close the book and, and put that box away completely and never have to address it and just try to move on with your life without actually even dealing with the internal conflict that comes with it and the inner heartbreak that comes with it yeah and from some of the people that I've known that have gone through it, they've just been told, never mind, you can try again. Yeah, absolutely. You know, dust yourself off yeah. and try again. And then those people do end up getting PTSD because yeah. they're still overcoming the trauma of the previous situation. Absolutely. Um, so it is a, a, a massive, massive issue. And uh, I'm glad they've had a week to raise awareness for it. Mm-hmm. One of our friends 
good friend of ours, Rita Morale, who's an amazing singer-songwriter. Um, you know, we're most used to seeing her singing some awesome vocals over an EDM track or a DMB track. But she went through uh, a traumatic experience a number of years ago. She sadly lost her baby after initially being successful with IVF um, due to complications. You know, she lost hers, which is extremely sad. Mm. But she put out um, a spoken word piece just this past week yep. in conjunction with obviously Baby Loss Awareness Week, um, but also World Mental Health Day because... Yeah. Again, those two situations are very closely linked. She wrote the track back in 2009 alongside the producer Fingers. And she's always said that music has always been her salvation and her therapy. And I guess it comes the same with all artists. It becomes an outlay, it becomes an escape. And it does become a sense of, you know, finding a sense of resolution at the end of it. Mm. She's come to, you know, I don't think you'll ever come to terms with it. But if music will help you seek some light at the end of the tunnel then it's the best way to outlay your feelings and emotions and it's taken her this long to be able to put this track out there yeah because like you said she recorded it in 2009 Mm. but it's taken this long to actually feel like she was comfortable enough Mm. to be this honest and this it's very brave yeah extremely brave but once again it's something that our communities need to to discuss and talk to each other more about Mm. and and if we can do it through the platform of a podcast or a spoken word piece then that's at least a step in the right direction if you are in this situation and you are dealing with this at the moment please do check out tommy's the baby charity for support and information um they've done some baby loss stories so that and they're trying to kind of break the silence as they're putting it to raise awareness of baby loss and things that people go through afterwards yeah um if you've not heard of of tommy's before it's a charity who fund research into the prevention of miscarriage stillbirth and premature birth and they do loads of really good work okay yeah please do check out that website for any help Uh, and there's lots of helplines available online if you are going through a similar experience please never think you're alone Uh, so we'll close out the show with the amazing words and the beautiful voice of rita morale i'm swami barakas And I'm Jojo B. And we'll see you all again next week, people. Peace. Nobody knows how I feel. They say my time will come. And it will be real. But if I don't want to win, and I want it now, do I have a choice or should I just allow? The drugs I have to take, the tears that I cry, would break any man's heart if only he had to try. in God's way of testing time but surely I've had enough I want what's mine everybody's moved on and still I'm here it's like being stuck in a brick wall no space no air air, air. I wish that life would only just be fair and give me a child that I long to share my eyes just water my pain just immenses in every breath I take seems straight. It's all a sideline. I can't pick myself up and tell me I'll be fine. And now I have to listen to some strange old man telling me these procedures will make my plans. I just want to be normal, happy and free and give the best out of life. And just be me. And just be me. And just be me. And just be me.
just be 